Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and our sober celebrity guest today is Dr. Rob Kelly, PhD. He's a sought-after recovery expert who believes in treating the causes of addiction and not the symptoms. Thank you for joining us, Rob. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Jamie. It's good to be here. Great. How did you uh, personally find sobriety or come to recovery? Um, it was after a long stretch of abuse and um, self-sabotage due to alcoholism, uh, homelessness, loss of children, loss of wife, kids, houses, cars, holiday homes, job, license, um, that um, I actually found it. Or it found me. It was, I was homeless when, when it happened, you know, so I had like a spiritual awakening. And then some guy came around the corner and at three o'clock in the morning asked to help me and my journey started there. It was quite it was quite crazy and lots of other crazy things as well that's happened on my journey that you can't make sense of it at first like oh my god these got it what a coincidence and then <laughs> realized after a few you know 30 years that uh, no such thing as coincidences guys yeah yeah without you know and and i, I without doing telling your whole um story i do i always love those moments of grace mm-hmm. of providence of clarity mm-hmm. of uh, uh white light and and can you just tell me a little bit about that uh, that guy who came around the corner? So the guy that came around the corner was a guy called Derek. Um, he was an alcoholic and a Christian. He took me back to the house and said, you can stay here for as long. I know, guys, you've got to remember, this is the middle of nowhere. This is not like in, in the city. This is where all the factories and offices are. There's no houses there. And he took a shortcut and found me. But when he took me back to the house... What he said to me is you can stay here for as long as you like, as long as you come to these 12 step meetings with me. Uh, and that's when I found a, that's when I found a guy called John, which all sorts of crazy things happened that we've never been able to trace 
in 30 years. So yeah, crazy stuff. Amazing, amazing. What do you do? Um, you know, you work in the addiction field. Um, what do you do for your own sobriety? And is it is it ever a struggle? How long have you been in recovery now? I've been in recovery for 30 something years. Uh, love every minute of it. I was very active in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, but uh, I've stepped away from that and I'm looking to go into uh, the church and, and they have a great uh, recovery system in there. So I'm kind of, I've been in the AA for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. But uh, done our book studies, done everything. So it's time to step away. Uh, just like a little bit of work, I've, I've kind of gone part-time with everything that I do so that the happy balance there is not working myself to death. And uh, I've seen so many people, Jamie, when you know, they work like crazy, they retire at 65 and they die at 70. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. I've not been that guy for five years. You know, I'm, I'm spending, I'm holidaying, I'm buying crazy cars and living in stupid houses and I'm doing it all now. I, we have a saying, you know, I'm living the dream instead of dreaming a living because that's all I did when I was on the streets. And I've worked myself. We had four offices around the world. Um, you know, oh, wait, we, say that, say that saying again. And, and uh, for those of you, for listeners, he, he's got the t-shirt that says it, but say it again. So it sticks with our, are you living the dream or are you dreaming of living? I love that. Love yeah. That. Um, you as a, uh, a recovery coach, um, and you are, um, uh, you, you treat the, um, the causes of <coughs> and not the symptoms. What do you mean by that? First of all, I'm gonna put something out there, guys, that you're gonna go, oh, no way, but it's true. Cause I'm a neuro, that's what I specialize in neuroscience. Uh, alcoholics are born and drug addicts are made. So what I mean by that is alcoholism is a predisposition. It's passed down from generation to generation. Okay. Um, so three parts of the I brain. I believe that, I believe that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's my story. Yeah, three parts of the brain differ from any other addiction. It's the hypothalamus, basal ganglia, and the amygdala that are born different than a normal person. So when we say we're going to treat the, the disease and, and not the symptom, is the symptom is the alcohol. Well, again, alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism and the same with drugs. I never had a drinking problem, Jamie. I always had a thinking problem. So when you get into the neuroscience of it, um, alcoholics hear things different. And when I say that, people go, oh my God, and wives go, yes, I, I, because we do, but no one knows why. Yeah, yeah. We, we studied that, you know, especially when we cross over that, that line from that, you know, normal drinking to heavy drinking to abuse alcohol to crossing over to alcoholism. So here's a fact that you can't drink yourself to, to become an alcoholic because we're born this way. I knew people are drinking more than me. But at a certain point of our drinking career, because let's face it, Jamie, it was a career for us, we cross over that line and the hypothalamus in the brain that tells normal people and us, it's a survival instinct. We have to drink water, eat food. It yeah. tells us that from the day we are born. Well, at a certain point of our drinking career, to the alcoholic, it tells us to drink alcohol only. That's why we can go days or weeks without food or water. That's the stuff we concentrate on. Once you repair all that, clear the childhood trauma, because childhood trauma is really the gateway drug. Once you clear that up, the drinking is not the problem. I was always the problem from self-sabotage because deep down inside, Rob hated Rob. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to get into the uh, to drug addicts, um, but, but before we leave the alcoholic, because I totally believe what you're saying. Um, and I, I think in my case, I was born with it. It was hereditary. 
And I also believe that, um, you know, when sometimes say, oh, he became an alcoholic after this terrible tragedy, you know, a beloved, some a loved one died. And the non-alcoholic may turn to booze um, to numb their pain. It's yeah. what I, my observation, the way I feel. But then eventually they're going to be like, this is this is killing me and this is disgusting. Or I, I hate the way I feel and, and we'll stop and we'll pull yeah. it back. Whereas the alcoholic is going to drink anyway. Yeah. Pull it back. Tell yeah. The, what's the what's the difference in how is a drug addict born? Well, drug addicts are born with the addictive personality, so they will show up the same. It's like right. hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You said drug addicts are made, right? No, alcoholics are made. Drug addicts, sorry, alcoholics are born. Drug addicts are made. Yeah. So from birth, they, they're not born drug addicts, but they do have the addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Well. So the layman eye, they both show up the same. So you're often here in rooms, well, it's just a drug, alcohol and drugs, just the same. Do you want to get technical about that? It's actually not. Alcoholics are allergic to the ethanol in alcohol and alcoholics have the allergy. I have an, I'm allergic to that ethanol. Drug addicts don't have that. So if you can't trace three generations back with alcoholism, then you abuse alcohol. There's very little chance of you being an alcoholic. But there is, again, to the lay person, you can't tell the difference if somebody abusing alcohol and the alcoholic. The only way to do that is to trace that back because alcohol does something to me that it doesn't to my next door neighbor. You see, the mental obsession is what gets us first. It will be different. I'm just going to drink wine, not whiskey, whatever it is. And as soon as I drink, the mind, prefrontal cortex, uh, has done its job and now the allergy takes over and now my body screams for alcohol because you can't crave for anything that's not already in the body. People say, oh, it's, I'm craving for a drink. I'm cra-. No, you're not. If you've had more than 72 hours clear of alcohol, you can't crave for it. It has to be in the system before you crave for it because it's all here. Right. And so tell us about how you, um, when you're working with, um, with clients, patients, um, uh, other alcoholics and addicts um, in treating the, um, the causes, what, what are, what's, what's some of the work you do? So the childhood trauma needs to be cleared up from the past. Everybody has childhood trauma. Alcoholics and addicts have treble the trauma because with normal people, Trauma would be divorce, car crash, plane crash, but with alcoholics, it could be something as simple as this. It's a true story, it happened to me. How many times have I told you, Robert, you can't go to college like your brother, you're too stupid? Boom, huge trauma around that. So we we have loads of trauma there that we need to clear up and find our real self. And the other thing we find as well with wives is they've lost their identity. You know, and sometimes men, it's because the, the wife lives the man's life. He chooses what's on TV. He chooses where to go, what to eat. And then when the separation or divorce comes, they're left on their own. So we have to go to the childhood trauma. Then we have to look at the brain. What's the neuroscience behind why I can't stop drinking? Because I couldn't stop drinking. Surely they must be going insane. Well, we're actually verging on that insanity of a place we can't come back once we're in flumble alcoholism. Again, the basal ganglia is our repetition strength and confirms part of the brain. Let's say if you want to be a pilot, you've got to do 10,000 hours in the air because you're doing repeated stuff over again. That's what the basal ganglia is. It repeats, it repeats, it repeats until you can do it without even thinking. Well, what happens to the alcoholic, because we're born different, is if you can imagine a face of a clock, guys that are just listening, 
everything's going good at 10 after, quarter after, it's amazing, you get your job back, you get your wife back, everything's going amazing, at 10 to the hour, you self-sabotage. You pick up a drink and drink. Now, not one alcoholic can give me, give me a reason why they do that. And they'll go, yeah, but that's an excuse. Give me a reason. Ah, you can't. There's no reason in God's earth why we would drink something up that's going to kill us. No logical reason. What no, but we come up with a thousand excuses. You know, my mom died, my sister's uncle died, my friend's brother's sister's dog died. I mean, goodness, just give me an excuse to drink for goodness. First day of spring. Yeah, last day of spring. It's raining, it's sunny, and you know, it's crazy how we talk ourselves into that. So the internal dialogue needs to also be looked at and also the central nervous system. You know, alcoholics and addicts live on that, like a hot high wire with a bird on top. You know, it's jumping, it's jumping, it's really hot. That's how we live because part of the brain is on survival instinct all the time. We're always waiting for that threat. Noises, you know, make us jump more than a normal person. It's crazy. And in the end, it's tiring, it's exhausting. And there was two ways out to me. I, when I was on the streets, I tried to commit suicide seven times. And on two occasions, it worked. I was actually dead on the street and they brought me back to life. And I hated them men for that. Mm. At that point where I couldn't live with it, I couldn't live without it. You know, begging for money on the streets, stealing. My daughters, you know, never seen her, never seen my youngest ever. You know, giving up all that family, everything. It was just no normal human being would do that out of choice. So the choice was taken away from me many years ago. And we're going to take just a quick break um, because this is a great time to stop and say thanks to our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting. Now back to Dr. Rob Kelly. Give us an example of um, somebody that you've, you've worked with um, and, and how you were able to um, shift their thinking. And- I'll go for a guy who always said, you can always mention my name, that was uh, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, completely done, drugs, alcohol, everything you could imagine. We brought him back to the ranch. We kept him for three months. His career, music career was over. And it's a case of surrounding him with um, people that are going to be good for him. Because we surround ourselves with people that are not going to be good or yes men once we get to that level. Because that's all we do. We do musicians, we do high profile musicians, footballers, movie stars, TV stars, all that stuff. So they're in a different world to start with. So he's taking them out of that world, working on what we just talked about and putting them in an environment where people like what they do. They, they like who you are as a friend, a person, there's no hype around that. And, show, and slowly start changing that brain, start changing that central nervous system, the habits. Once you change the brain, the habits will follow, central nervous system behavior will follow. The simplest way I can put it is it's almost like brainwashing. You walk in a room, the mirroring part of the brain is very interesting. You walk in a a room with 10 people, you smile, most people are going to smile back. You walk in with a frown 10 minutes later, most people are going to frown back. You know, it's all monkey see, monkey do out there. So when you're surrounded by people like that, you get your identity back, which is very important to alcoholics and addicts because we don't really have 
an identity. Drugs and alcohol was our identity. And for many years, what I heard, oh my God, Rob, you're a waste of time. You're a piece of shit. Oh my, you're a piece of work. That's all I heard. So if I tell you a lie right now, you might not believe it. You might, I don't know. But if I tell you a lie often enough, you're going to start to believe it. Well, guess what? If I tell you a lie real often enough, I'm going to start to believe it. Psychology 101. So it's about convincing them that we can change neural pathways, we can change parts of the brain, we can change everything, but you have to believe it. So we have a lot of psych psychological tricks that we use on people, uh, especially neurobiolinguistic programming, somatic experience and brain spotting along with normal psychology. Wait, 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 explain that a little bit. Uh, okay. Program, it's called so the NLP is Neuro Linguistic Program. We call it NLP for short. It's redirection of neural pathways using sentences and words that the average person doesn't pick up in a sentence. So we're changing the way the neural pathways direct from self-sabotage to self-care. So for instance, when I'm talking to somebody, I try and when I'm planting something in the, in the subconscious brain, because that's where the disease lives, what I'm doing is I speed up my, my talk for that sentence and what I say actually is, uh, you know, mindset is everything. But if you go, what you just remembered about that, me shouting, yes, if you go, you haven't seen that mindset is everything. So we plant words inside the brain because what happens in the subconscious brain, it's full of stuff that's going to kill us. It's full of negativity all the time, the stuff. Everything we see, hear, feel, touch since the day we were born is stored in there. We never forget anything. So we're now storing with good stuff. So the knee-jerk reaction that crosses over from the subconscious brain to the prefrontal cortex when a decision needs to be made is the good decision. See, the problem with the, the prefrontal cortex, it does a great job. His only job is to come up with a solution as quick as possible to my problem. And he does that immediately. Problem being, doesn't it doesn't always have long-term goal. Yeah, don't have to be the right answer. So we have to train it to be the right answer. Because my right answer was always alcohol. Yeah, and you know, what, are you um, early on in this in, in answering this question? You uh, what is it? You change it from uh, you want to change the thinking from self sabotage to self care, and self care. I want to talk, give your definition of that because self care is one of these words that these terms that is now I think being abused. You know, control the terms to think. Oh, have a manicure, meditate, like um, uh, get a massage. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And I think, I mean, some of that is true, but I think it, it's, it's missed, missed the core meaning of what we, what I think what you're talking about when you say self-care. 100% self-dialogue, you know, if I drop a pen off the floor, this is just, just be me. Oh, you stupid idiot all the time. Catch yourself doing it guys. Because it. yeah, the brain will take that on board. Mm. Oh my God, you stupid idiot. And when that comes to fruition is when you're going to, buy that car, date that girl, buy that house, whatever important decision, that'll come back to the prefrontal going, you're a piece of shit, oh my God, you. it works every time. So we're trying to replace all that with self-dialogue. Um, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you hang around with nine depressed people, you will become the 10. So surround yourself with nine successful, happy people and you will become the 10, the marine part of the brain. You know, so that's self-care. The saunas and everything else, brilliant. You've got to start internally. Watch your internal dialogue to self. Because if, this is interesting, if you really slowed everything down and listened to what you say, you would not speak to your worst enemy the way you speak to yourself. 
Absolutely true. What is the um, final question here? What is the best lesson you've learned in uh, sobriety recovery and how does it help you? Wow, that's a good question. I would say, going back a few seconds, it, it's looking after yourself and loving yourself. See, I, I never loved myself because people around me never loved me. I was suffering from abandonment. So when you start, you can't do it on your own, by the way, guys. I want to put that out there. Don't try this on your own. It does not work. We cannot be our own yardstick. We need, we need a second or third party to go, hey, this is where you're going wrong. Uh, but yeah, self-care, love yourself. Because when you love yourself, you can love others. And, uh, you know, just that one day at a time, it was not actually a 12-step thing. It actually comes many years before that, that the brain resets every 24 hours. So enjoy today. How many, listen, parents, is there any parents out there? How many times have you said to yourself, oh my God, I was taking him to kindergarten yesterday and now I'm taking him to college or he's going off to college. People think they have time. So this is the biggest lesson. You don't have time. Stop putting off till tomorrow what you can do today. So true and a great way to end this um, interview. Love talking to you. Dr. Rob Kelly. Um, to all our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on www.soberpodcast.com and all places you find major podcasts. Leave us a review, uh, sign up for our mailing list, and you will also find contact information and more information on today's guest, Dr. Rob Kelly. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and I'm the author of the book, Dangerous When Wet, a memoir of boo, sex, and my mother. And you can find me every day on TikTok, where I tell a true story, wearing high heels, signing out for Sober Podcast. Rob, and everybody have a great week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.